listening to La Raza Chronicles, Cronicas de la Raza. On tonight's show, we say goodbye, adios to 2020. What a year it's been, to say the least. We start off with Julieta Kuznir, who interviewed Lucho Ramirez, the director of the SF Latino Film Festival. The festival has gone virtual this year and runs for 10 days starting tomorrow, December 30th. Nina Serrano offers a tribute to the late artivist and musician Mama Coatl, discussing her work addressing violence against women, along with her ongoing commitment to justice, plus some music to brighten our spirits. La Raza Chronicles is produced by Nina Serrano, Julieta Kuznir, Greg Landau, and myself, Brenda Yescas. From the La Raza Chronicles crew, we wish you a happy new year. Feliz Año Nuevo a todos. Stay tuned. This is Julieta Kuznir, and you're listening to La Raza Chronicles. On today's program, because we are all stuck, because yes, the global pandemic continues, and in this time where most of us are itching to travel, visit our friends and familia, go to America Latina, we are stuck in our homes. And this is a perfect time to speak to Lucho Ramirez, who is the director of the SF Latino Film Festival, which has been going strong for quite a while Lucho, I think I interviewed you definitely over a decade ago for the first time, and I was very excited about this festival, and I'm so happy to hear and see that it's continued. So, wonderful to have you on the line with us, Lucho. Yes, hey, thank you, Julieta, for having me on your show once again. Yeah, no, this is our 12th season, so it's been over a decade. I'll never forget. I met Lucho, and I was like, this is a great idea, and it's stuck. People love it. I think that, you know, life just goes on and, you know, it's all about adapting. And I think that it's important to bring some things that are familiar into uh, into a new sort of a format in order to create that continuity. So I, I think it's important to just sort of keep on going and adapting and, um, People have been creating a lot of films uh, over the years in the last couple of years that are kind of coming out, and it's important for us to to, to show them. And so with that, um, we've gone with the online festival for 2020. That's awesome, Lucho. It's really beautiful. This is something that is so unique. It's a festival, but there are a lot of films that your festival has featured that I've not been able to see anywhere else. And that's really something that's so special because in the era of Hulu and Netflix, it's very unique to be able to have films that don't have major, major distribution perhaps or aren't going to make it. So why don't you start off by just telling us, you know, you've made this big pivot to keep things going, to keep things going. What are some of the advantages and what are some of the pluses of doing this virtually? Well, I think um, one of the great things about going online is that this year we were basically offering the full program um, online and, and on demand, which means that you don't necessarily have to go to a theater at a certain time on a certain day. 
in order to watch a film. And typically that's how film festivals go. You have two or three different opportunities to watch a film and that's it. Uh, with this sort of format, well, our footprint really is California wide. So anyone in California can log on uh, to cinemasf.org and find the film festival, find a film and view it from the comfort of home uh, anytime during the 10 day film festival. That's the big part because I always got frustrated that I felt like I would miss something happening at four o'clock on Tuesday. But I want to go to that one. So that's a longer name. So that's really nice. So the festival begins today. Wait, it's Tuesday. When does it begin? So it's Tuesday. Yes. So we're running from uh, December 30th uh, through January 10th. Uh, and like I said, it's, uh, it's, it, in, in a nutshell, it's, uh, 75 films that are within 30 programs. And by that I mean there's, uh, 10 documentary features, 10 narrative features, fiction films, and then there's, uh, another 10, uh, short film programs. So our short film programs are always a little bit different and this year we expanded them. And uh, I'm hoping that, you know, they will find their audiences. And, and they're, they're all very special little morsel-sized films that are really enjoyable. And I'm hoping that people see the diversity in the programming and uh, will be interested in seeing more. I'm speaking to Lucho Ramirez from the SF Latino Film Festival. And Lucho, every year you get a whole bunch of entries. You get a huge range Everything, like we mentioned, from the documentary category, the shorts categories, the feature-length films, you have thrillers, you have love stories, you have heartbreaking pieces that analyze some of the injustices we have in the world. Can you tell us about some of the things that stood out to you this year, even though I know it's hard to choose? Um, right. I think that every year we see a really different pool of films. Uh, this year, some of the surprises are Central American films, both shorts and feature-length films, which are exciting to see. We have a couple of films from Honduras, a documentary and uh, a narrative. 90 Minutes is an excellent film out of um, Honduras. It's like four different stories. It has uh, soccer as a sort of a, a background sort of theme. And, uh, four, you know, four different stories that happen on screen that intertwine. And then the other one is a film about, uh, the war between El Salvador and Honduras that was known as the soccer war. So it's kind of funny how soccer, again, is, is a, is a common theme between both films. So one's a documentary and one is a, a, a fiction film. And, uh, that's one of the surprises is, uh, the Central American films that came in. And those aren't the only ones. You know, there's, a few of the short films that came in and uh that's what's a nice surprise because uh, frequently people in the bay area uh ask for titles from central america and you know in in a conventional film festival environment it's a matter of timing and sometimes films are not available for when the festival happens and normally in september uh but this year um it, it worked out and we have some central american titles and again um we have some really great South American titles from Chile, Brazil, and uh, Bolivia. 
Bolivia is another country that has two films this year, which is a real surprise, a thriller called Pseudo, and a Western called um, um, Santa Clara, uh, which is kind of a period film. Both actually um, uh, have kind of a political thriller sort of edge to them, but uh, those are countries that we don't necessarily see films from typically, and so it's really exciting to see these things. Exciting, not just about representation, but storytelling. And I think it's a limited opportunity to see and experience, well, what's happening on Honduras beyond just hearing about perhaps hurricanes or hearing about this man that is talking about a really specific conflict, which actually we don't get to hear much about. I mean, there are a lot of people here in the U.S. We, have, we live I mean, in the Bay Area. We're in a Central American part of the of the state you know of the of the country and we don't get to see what's happening in, like on Lura. so that's really exciting so those are all some really there's always a big range in terms of narratives and documentaries and um and shorts of course so um tell us about some of the things you have seen that you're you really are excited to hear people yes um you know it's Talking about the films, it's like talking about your children. It's like you don't necessarily want to pick a favorite, but there are films that really sort of pop out in part because of the diversity of them. You know, when you have films that uh, have women as central characters or a women production, then, you know, you, know you, you notice these things. So... I like that this year we have like a film, for example, that's called uh, At At Ani, which is a film out of Mexico that is um, that is uh, takes place in an indigenous community, and it's filmed in the language of the uh, Tanique, which is part of a uh, it's it's actually a dying language. But the film was made uh, in this part of Mexico that is somewhat isolated, a Gulf state. It's called uh, Huasteca Potosina. And uh, a film like this is really unique. I mean, it's, uh, it has an indigenous theme. It's the drama. It's a love triangle. Uh, and it's in a language that, you know, we're basically witnessing a language that uh, may not exist in, in the future because of, of um, modern times. So uh, that's a very special film um, that is programmed for this year. And then another film that, that kind of shows how, you know, the power of, of media in, in, in a way, there's a film called, um, in, in English they're calling it uh, um, A Brother's Mind, A Brother's Mind. And it's a Brazilian film that, that the narrative is based on, on a true story and and uh, it's about a young man who fights for social and and, and um, racial justice in his high school because of uh, you know basically racism and uh, and uh, the the way that the black community is treated there. Uh, but he takes a page from the Black Panthers of all things in in, in the world and, and looks to what the uh, the Black Panthers did. Uh, back in the 60s uh, as a point of reference uh, to organize and to protest and to demand change. The adaptation, of course, like a, it's a fiction film, but based on true events. So those two are films that I think that are things that I think that are representative for our film festival of, of having 
a diversity, whether it's indigenous or uh, a black experience. And, um, you know, and I think that's part of the, what I really like. And then we have another narrative that is actually kind of ties it all together too. Uh, we have one that's called uh, White on White and or Blanco en Blanco, which is a film from Chile that is about latter part of the 19th century. It's almost like a Western, more kind of a frontier film in southern Chile. So it, it zeroes in on a, a guy who's a photographer who's there to, to take portraits of a wedding. Um, and these are like old time cameras where it wasn't, we were not even talking about Polaroids then. You know, these are old uh, uh, cameras that, you know, would take like a couple of minutes to to snap. And anyway, so he's hired for that, but he ends up also documenting, uh, in essence, genocide. And it's very sublime in the way that this film is shot because it's not gory per se, but that there is enough there that, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, letting you know how... Uh, the indigenous communities of Chile were killed off by Westerners that arrived. But of course, the central character is a photographer. But the backstory, which is very ominous in a very austere way that it's shot, is is telling a different story uh, that that happens concurrently. And that film, White on White, is uh, I would say it's probably uh, one of the more powerful films in the lineup of. Of, uh, of films, whether it's a narrative or, or documentary films. It's not meant as a documentary, but it's a wink and a nod toward what happened. Speaking about the Latino Film Festival, which will be available for everyone to consume at tomorrow, it starts Wednesday the 30th, and it's going to be going online. Can you explain again how people can see films will be available, how they can access these films, where they can read more about them and how they can share this information. I know I'm so it's for me to keep track events online. So how can people even track so they don't, you know, they don't they don't miss this opportunity. Right. The easiest way to find information is through our website, cine c i n e mas m a s s f dot o r g cinemas s f dot o r g and uh, we have links there to the actual festival. Once you go into the live festival link, you can see details on all of the films, and you can get yourself a ticket, or you can get yourself a pass. The tickets or passes you redeem, uh, they arrive, once you place your order, they arrive to your email, and uh, then you're, once you go, you, you click on the link, uh, that you receive through email, you can then go back onto your, onto the website to open the film, so to speak, open it, and then you have a few days to um, decide on when to start watching it because these tickets can be redeemed at any time uh, between December 30th and January 10th. Uh, but, uh, of course, once the festival ends and you wouldn't necessarily be able to see them again after that, but uh, it gives you ample time to watch a film. Or, you know, if you're into binge watching, you're getting yourself a pass, uh, whether it's a five-pack or a festival pass is a good way of um, watching a lot of the programming uh, economically with your family. You know, that's another difference, uh, watching a film festival or a, a selection at home is that you can share the experience at home, even if you're not 
sharing it with strangers at a theater. Thank you, Lucho. So people can go to the website and find out more. And then those 10 days, and definitely it sounds like Festival Pass is a great way to not just watch a lot of great films that you can't see otherwise, but support the festival to keep it going. There are a lot of films to watch and a lot of, uh, whether it's features and narratives, fiction and narratives, but there's a lot of shorts programs. Uh, there's some local films as well. So, you know, depending on what your taste is, you know, you can, you can watch these there. Uh, we also have some interviews, filmmaker meetups that are going to be uh, piped through on social media once the festival is underway. And so if you're curious about that, you know, you can find us in the usual usual channels, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, as well as Twitter, where we will be posting those interviews and those uh, interactions with filmmakers. Lucho, you also mentioned that women in film is a huge part of this year's festival. Tell us more about that. Yes, um, that was one of the things that jumped out this year. There were different programs, films, documentaries in particular that came through that were made by women. Plenty of short films that come through made by women. And uh, we even had... Um, a whole collection from um, out of Texas called uh, Femme Frontera Filmmakers Showcase, which is um, a showcase of Latina or Latinx uh, female identifying a Mexican or Mexican American women from the border, and uh, and I you know I would say that um, representation on the part of uh, women filmmakers is a big part of the festival this year. And so whether it's the Femme Frontera Filmmaker Showcase or the Her Voice Shorts Program, which are women-made films with a feminist theme to the films, even though they're not necessarily documentaries. They're not documentaries. They're, in some cases, they're more on the experimental side. Those are important uh, films. And, uh, and another film like a uh, film about uh, Diana Gamero, Dear Homeland, made by local filmmaker Claudia Escobar. Again, you know, these are this is an example of, uh, of several programs with um, women filmmakers or, or women themes. And one of the films that if we were to have an opening night or that, that represents the festival for this season, it's a film out of, um, technically it's out of Spain and Bolivia, but it's a film called Cholitas. And it's a film about this totally unexpected group of Aymara women that uh, climb the highest peak of South America, and actually the highest peak in the Western Western Hemisphere. And so these are women that that typically would be working with their husbands or their partners in helping tourists climb mountains or summit mountains. And uh, in this case, they decided, you know what, let's flip the script. We can also be the ones climbing these mountains and uh and in, in a way kind of a novelty but it was also something where you see these women take up a sport an adventurous sport uh and there's an uh, there's a side to it that's uh, very traditional spiritual um and it's very inspirational to see and so if, if we were to have an opening film in a typical festival i would say that uh, cholitas is the one that we would have been opening with that's the voice of Lucho Ramirez. We've been talking about the SF Latino Film Festival, which you can find out more at, about at Cine Mas SF. 
org, and that's where you can get tickets for this virtual film festival. It's a really unique way to connect to some incredible storytelling that you will not be able to find elsewhere. It's only for 10 days, so this is it. It starts tomorrow. So muchísimas gracias, Lucho. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. I can't wait to speak to you next year as we've been going strong. I think this is quite a record we have here, ongoing interviews. Y siempre es un placer. Muchas gracias, Lucho. Thank you so much.
The following conversation with Mama Coatl and myself, Nina Serrano, took place in 2009. We were reviewing the exciting event we had just produced to commemorate the day to promote the elimination of violence towards women. This was our eighth year, and we were in the midst of advancing the following 16 days of action, which ended on December 10, 2009, Human Rights Day. We assumed we would create protest art and rituals again and again. But this revered and relentless activist, or artivist, a term she preferred, fell ill and passed away suddenly in 2015. As Mama Coatl or Silvia Para, her memory lives on. Artist Adrián Arias created a Día de los Muertos Day of the Dead gallery altar to honor Mama Coatl. We have in the studio Mama Coatl, performance artist, poet, musician, and initiator of the 16 Days of Artivism. What's that, you ask? Well, it's part of the whole campaign for the elimination of violence towards women and girls. Bienvenidos, Mama Coat. Gracias, Nina. So tell us about artivism, and then tell us about the 16 Days of Action, and tell us about the elimination of violence towards women and girls, which we're waiting for. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are waiting for that, no? Well, activism is, is a, a coin that many people have spoken, and for me, it just um, represents the energies present in a work that's designed to move us from the heart towards a healing of mental illness and social illness, no? And this illness of violence against everything that's feminine, against the planet and against women and girls throughout the world is something that pains me very much, like many women feel the same way, no? And I thought, you know, what is the best thing for me as an artist to do with this impotence of facing tremendous violence against the planet and against my sisters, yeah, my mothers, against our relatives in general, than to uh, do something creative, no? So in the mission and in San Francisco Bay Area, which is such a generous place for people who want to try out new things, I started then organizing this 16 days, first commemorating November 25th, or reclaiming November 25th to design it as a new holiday. The holiday is called International Day for the Elimination of Violence Towards Women and Girls, and it's celebrated throughout the world since the 80s. So I thought, you know, San Francisco, which was almost, or if not, the birthplace of the United Nations, no? So it would, it just seemed natural that we can expand and celebrate this, this getting together in this consciousness from San Francisco and amplify the voice of our sisters across the globe. You mentioned the United Nations. Not only was the United Nations born in San Francisco, but that San Francisco is the first place we know of in the United States to be celebrating the elimination of violence towards women and girls on this international date, November 25th, because it was a day mandated by the United Nations. That's right. People would say to me, it's a very difficult weekend. You cannot mess with Thanksgiving and Black Friday and all of those commercial-based patriotic holidays that are so very rooted in the American culture. And also, I was facing was that the, the incredible 
incredible bubble that the American consciousness is in, separated from the rest of the world. These walls coming at the border, at the seams of the nation, no, it's like we don't want to find out what's happening on the other side of the wall. And I think what's happening on the other side of the wall concerns us greatly because it's the same thing that's affecting us as women here inside the walls, no? So it was a very good exercise in breaking borders of consciousness and this limitation that Americans are protected from, from you know, violence and war. Let's describe for the listeners what that day was, November 23rd, mm-hmm. when the proclamation was made to celebrate November 25th as the kickoff day for the elimination of violence towards women and girls and the 16 days of artivism. Can you describe that? Well, we gathered at the steps of City Hall at noon on that Tuesday, and it was very, uh, muy emocionante, very excited because we didn't know if it was going to rain, and every year we face this weather question, no, we We have beautiful weather in order to celebrate us in this way. And year after year, the sky is clear for us. And this year was no exception. So we arrived there and we were just everybody, you know, very eager to speak and participate. And in the distance, it had been raining earlier in the day. We didn't know if it was going to rain. But just as we were getting towards 12 o'clock noon, which was the declared time of our press conference and rally, we began to hear drumming in the distance and the skies clearing and suddenly the winter and rain jackets seemed too hot and the the drumming came closer and closer. That's right. And then my brothers, Mexica dancers, they just settled in such a beautiful way in front of the steps of City Hall and opened up this sacred space for us to speak our truth. We thought that it was so beautiful that men came out to support us in this way, you know, to open up the, the skies for us and, uh, and and give us this honorable way in which to begin speaking our truth, no? And there was one moment, one dancer, all covered in feathers and with all this beautiful brown muscled <laughs> bodies showing, bent over and picked up his conch shell and he went to blow on it. And at that exact moment, the noon siren went off. And it seemed as if that enormous sound came out of this small, humble shell. And I really, really love that moment, Nina, because that alarm that is designed to put people in alert, no, of of some disaster coming, no, became like the opening call, you know, listen to the women at this hour. And it was really powerful. We got a lot of support from the local government, from the Board of Supervisors. Uh, we're always trying to find support everywhere we can to 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 ask people to open up to this possibility of declaring the end of violence as part of our cultural heritage, no? I invite people to examine what is underneath this culture of violence that we participate in mindlessly. How is it that we can disentangle that? We have 16 days, I say, from November 25th to December 10th so that we can dismantle this concept of violence. Why do we find it necessary to destroy the earth in order for us to feed our families? Why do we find necessary for women to go through such unspeakable sexual violence, you know, in the workplace and and in their family? Why do we have to sacrifice our daughters in order for this society or this civilization to exist, no? Uh, We think that is, is enough destruction. It's 
it's about time to wake up on the other side of this frame of mind. The three supervisors that came out to support us, I'd like to let voters know, mm-hmm. were John Avalos, mm-hmm. uh, David Campos, mm-hmm. and I don't remember his first name, but his last name was Doughty. Mm-hmm. And all three of those city supervisors spoke from their heart as men. Mm-hmm. And they spoke as husbands and fathers and brothers. It was very moving. It was. I was very surprised. Program to hear some protocol. And when we were listening to these people just break down and, and, and speak sincere words, we could not believe it, no? So we had a lot of support from our brothers this year. It was really moving and really powerful. And Joaquin Torres from the mayor's office read the mayor's proclamation proclaiming November 25th, Mm -hmm. the kickoff day for the International Day for the Celebration of the Elimination of Violence Towards Women and Girls. That's right. And in that document, he includes that uh, institutional violence is part of this illness that we're all facing. It's not just a domestic issue. It's not just an isolated case of police abuse. It is the systematic rating of our families. And also, you know, in the, in, the, in the medical industry, in the pharmaceutical industry, and of course, in the news, no, in the communications industry, how we are uh, devalued constantly by all of this este, public opinion or manufacturing of this consent of Tea Party and uh, extreme, extreme conservative supremacy politics, no? And also the transgender community spokesperson Mm. talked to us. Yes. And that was very interesting. And she brought up a concept that I hadn't heard before, and she talked about the unity of biological women and transgender women. Mm Mm-hmm something that was very important to her. Yeah, and it's, it still blows my mind. I'm, I'm new to, to that particular scenario myself, no? But I thought it was really important that a person that is creating her own life, her own identity, speak up about this. And I invited Aurora Grajeda, this is who we're talking about, this, this woman to speak because she has also a lot of experience in organizing the migrant communities. You know? So she knows what it means to be persecuted on many different levels. And as well, I remember that when the killings of the women of Juarez began in the 90s, the first people who were falling were transgender women. And so nobody took notice of them, you know, for the first five years, all these transgender women are being murdered and dismembered. And of course, everything was related to uh, uh, the mafia or to their sexual orientation or to their way of life, you know, always blaming the, the victim for her lifestyle, provoking her own, you know, demise. Uh, So it's very important to know that when a campaign against women is brewing, the first people to fall are always transgender women and and the gay population. And also Mona Lisa Wallace of Now spoke, Mm -hmm. and she spoke about a campaign against a restaurant chain. Yeah. Do, do you remember what that was? I think they were planning to open up a Hooters. And you know, that's a restaurant where plastic boobies. <laughs> 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 so she was objecting because this establishment that requires the waitresses to wear this very sexual attire and to bare their breast almost was planning to be a family restaurant. 
and she thought it was degrading for women. And so this whole campaign of if it's going to be like, you know, entertainment establishment, but not a family restaurant. And so this this platform that we created so humbly, my comadre Nina Serrano and yours truly, Mama Coatl, is serving as as a space from which our people can speak and and it was wonderful, too, that there was a small group of young women, girls, really, yeah. with big, big, small girls with big signs yes. saying future feminists <laughs> or young feminists. And it was they that were objecting to this family, child-oriented restaurant that was going to have booster chairs and high chairs that was so aggressively sexual. Indeed, indeed. So we thank all of them for being there, also representatives of her church, people from different orientations and from different walks of life, from different ethnicities coming together. Uh, Poet Laureate Deborah Major also spoke, and she was there with us on November 27th as well. Really important words from very, very strong leaders in the community. And I'm really humbled and thrilled to have been the, the lady who swept the space, you know, to open up the space for this to occur is the most satisfying thing. This did not go unnoticed by the Board of Supervisors, who then invited you to a closed chamber to be honored. Can you tell us about what happened behind closed doors? Oh, my goodness. It was terrifying (laughs) (laughs) to walk into the building of the government because it's such a palace in there compared to people who are outside of this. And, of course, the metal detectors and all of the marble, etc. It felt uh, a little outside of of my realm, which outside with the people and the earth, very close to the dirt, yeah. But when we were there, the whole mechanism of the government, we witnessed how this is going to work out. They were trying to figure out the mechanism to choose the next mayor, etc. And then John Avalos was very excited to have everybody sign this recognition, no, of the work that we've been doing under the name of Mama Coat and For me, it was just the recognition of the work that we are all doing. I spoke in front of them and I reminded them, you know, that we have to examine the the violence inherent in our way of life as first world, no? And they were very receptive. I was quite shocked. Well, maybe our work is paying off. Maybe repeating this stuff year after year for six years on the steps of City Hall, that the people inside City Hall are beginning to hear us. Yes, it seems such a humble offering, but it's like a drop of water. This is what I envision, a drop of clean water making a little pool. And I know that that pool is going to quench our daughters or our daughters' daughters at thirst, you know, when the time comes. So what more can a woman aspire to do, no? (laughs) Yes. These following poems and songs were recorded informally by me years ago and dedicated to all of you in this future time. A goddess may lose her name when in a drunken rage defiant and aimless she curses all men condemning them to eternal hunger. A girl may lose her name when she refuses to be called upon by the voice of domination, when she refuses to pay taxes and use papers, when she refuses political borders and corporate interests. She is then identified as transgressor, terrorist, tormenta, turning all-knowing on its back, its mouth open to the sky like a thirsty migrante on an endless desert walk. 
Aji will lose her name, burnt as a witch, buried as a whore, burned as a single mother when she quits feeding the ingrate, when she holds hate, when she spins spells, when she stops repeating regrets. Oh, yes, and Aji will lose her name any day. Muy buenas las tengan todos, my fellow Americans. I am here as a witness. I am here to testify about losing name. Because you see, my name, my good name, the one that was handed down to me from a tree of fatherly violence, from a faith that blackens my face, that binds me to silence, my name is the crown stripped from Inanna's head at the seventh gate of the great below. My name, still hostage in the seventh floor of Homeland Security Law. My name, pushed on me without my consent, just as the term feminina minor faith has become a threat. A threat. The threat of my freedom to exist, to create, to walk across fences, to raise my children according to my conscience. A threat that forces this my body of desire down into a deeper, darker underground where Roleros reminisce Rodrigo, esperando su camión en la corner de la 24. Where brown faces want to sell you a flower. Where poets drink up their homelessness. And pale, skinny hipsters continue to displace the city's children. My name. Wetback, hippiteca, mojada, alien, scrapa, spikes, peaks, cheap labor, cook, maid, janitor, farm worker, pedestrian, disposable, Lower class, my name dripping with the blood of all the illegal aliens on whose backs we dine each night. My name, this little name of mine, I want to let it fall and I want you to catch it in your hands and shred it and light it and smoke it and blow it into a re-evolution, into a re-evolution, porque yo fui a la revolución, yo fui, and this is why I want you to hear me when I say that my name is self-identified. My name is Salvia Sage, Savia Wise, Sativa, Saliva, Santa, Sabina, Silvando, Siluetas, Si, Silfides, Sirena, Serenada, Soy Sombra, Soy Sofia. So, don't call me a female, Mr. Big. Don't call me a woman, for you know damn well that I am your mama. I am your mama coat. I am your mama quau, you'll see what coat. I am your mama shokoat. Your mama tonancing. Your mama yautli. Your mama rising. Your mama rising. Your mama rose. How would you say... How would you say, I have a message, but I am sick with words? Yes, I am sick of the truth. I am sick of concepts and designations, status and jurisdictions, sick of economics, of psycho-spiritual jargon. I am tired of numerology, revolutions, the Zodiac, the Bible, the English week, the Constitution, the Gregorian year, the cross and the rolls, the sacrificial goat. I am sick and tired of the program of killing to eat, to shop, to invest, to survive, to forget. I'm running out of words and I am running out of time. 
And at the same time, I feel so paranoid about mass destruction, you know. I feel the urge to run. It is hard for me to look up when I daily see the streak of metal the man made cloud. I suspect poison in everything. How can one take a deep breath after fumigation? How can we keep on swallowing black water? Where is the end of this occupation? What kind of world would they be for my daughter? While well, a cabal of incestuous predators rotting in historical plunder gamble with total impunity the destiny of humankind. We're down here, standing in line for the newest vaccine, in total passivity swallowing the mortal lie, sacrificing our daughters and sons, dropping bombs in the name of a flag. We're down here, the highly educated cultural creature, subject to the royal book. All we can do is repeat since we cannot understand the sounds we emit. We can't figure out the source of our pain we are perfectly incapable to see this prison is made of language out of words like love and light master terms crafted to convert us into faith into fuel into files this prison is made of angular mirrors out of angels and lords electrical shocks the bugles of war democracy heroin for the soul this prison is made of gold and we're in here Bewildered in perpetuity, betraying our own descendants, worshipping the executioners, the dazzlers, the wizards, with their Adam and Eves, with their pyramids, with the 360 degrees, the little piece of the sky, their color, their crown, their mining civilization, their parasitic nature, their plans of extermination. This prison is made out of romantic law and language, and like romantic love, the end is always tragic. No, that is not a natural cloud, you know. And that was not a real earthquake, and that definitely was not a storm. No, and this is not a poem. This is not a real song. But perhaps it is a sound. The unemployed watching his life go by like a television episode or the anguish on the Cornaleros eye on a rainy day on a hungry day or the hopelessness of the urban night intimate with his computer Genocide goes Haiti. You're heavy on my mind. Haiti, you're still heavy on my mind. And Chile, and China, Tibet, and now Pakistan, and all those disasters that have been man made have me questioning, you know. Tell me what's the next target in line? Stop. 
Somalia o Japón es el true de Mozart, true de Anglo-Saxon mission, true harp all false flags, monarch ultra butterfly. It's a project nightfall 2012, the Opus Day or it's Blackwater Night, the Templars or the Hospitaliers. And pardon me, my brothers, as you step in your glory, I know you won't mind, cause this ain't even a story, but I don't trust those doctors without borders, you know. just heard a conversation with Sylvia Para, known as Mama Coatl, in 2009 with her informally recorded poems and songs.
olvido al año viejo Porque me ha dejado cosas muy buenas Ay, yo no olvido al año viejo Porque me ha dejado cosas muy buenas Mira, me dejó una chiva, una burra Y una burra muy negrita, una yegua muy blanquita y una buena suegra Me dejó una chiva, una burra negra, una yegua blanca y una buena suegra Ay, me dejó, me dejó, me dejó, me dejó cosa buena, cosa muy bonita listening to La Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. If you'd like to stay up on our news, like us on Facebook at La Raza Chronicles on Facebook. If you want to hear this program or share it with a friend, you can go to soundcloud.com slash La Raza Chronicles and share it. If you have any ideas for interviews we should be doing or would like to get involved with our collective, you can email us at La Raza Chronicles at kpfa.org. Muchísimas gracias y buenas noches. <laughs>